Hi. Hey, what's up? What is up? What is cracking? So, camera's here. Yay. I'm here with your job. Boom, 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 boom. That was a mixture of Griselda and designer. Sure. And you can probably hear Luna panda, in panda, the panda, background. Panda, panda, and Luna is in the background being a nuisance because she hasn't seen Kira in two months. So, Kira, would you like to tell the class where you've been for two months? I've been in hell. <laughs> I've been on the road. On the road again. A Star Wars burlesque show. Mm-hmm. Sewing the ripaway pants of Boba Fett. Oh. And the <laughs> making pasties out of tape and fabric for Darth Vader. Oh. Nipple wonderful, pasties, by the way. Wonderful. Getting mad creative up in this bitch. Well, you know, that's a good thing. It's, every now and again, it's it's wonderful to, you know, stretch your creative muscle. Oh, yeah. I've been doing a lot of sewing. I can tell you what. My eyesight fucking sucks. Okay. You need some new glasses. Can't see. Shit. At all. I, I mean, but, you know, here's here's the silver lining. Strike is over-ish. Ish, waiting for the ratification of the SAG contract. It's over for me. I didn't already got my job. Yeah, I was about to say, Kira has moved on to bigger and better things. Um, got to. Got to. Got, got to pivot, you know. But that's my favorite. That has turned into my favorite thing to say is you got to pivot. <clears throat> um, Welcome to I Swear to Drunk I'm Not God. This is season two, episode two. Kira is with us. Luna is with us. She has been spayed. I thought I drugged her this morning, but the drugs have worn off. Say hi, <clears throat> say hi, pussy cat. She's like, I was already on the pod. You like, you're late. Um, Kara has no idea what we're about to do. Um, I'm just here for the vibes, baby. Okay, I got nothing. Blue, okay. We are in rare form. Um, if it makes you feel any better, I'm always like this. Yeah. I'm kind of always like this too. I'm gonna keep it a buck. I even though I'm on my period, so I feel like murderous. I'm the complete opposite. I ran out of birth control, so I had to wait you for know, my birth control to re up. Okay, basically. so can I just say this real quick? So this is this is personal. No, no, no. I'm not gonna. Nah. I mean, I got an IUD. I love it, but you know, I'm anti kids, so it makes sense. But okay, let me just say this. So. I, you know, when I engage in extra, I have issues. I have fibroids, right? Oh, <laughs> I have fibroids. So sometimes like my period is really foolish and it stays for way longer than it should because, you know, there's so much going on in there that it takes a while for my flow to finish. And, you know, whenever I need to gauge in extracurriculars, but I don't want to be on it, I have been using that company WISP. Have you heard of Wisp? I, aren't those, aren't they those s- the people that make the toothbrush things? <laughs> the no, floss sticks? No, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, what they specialize is in vaginal health. Oh, so, so not floss sticks. No, it has nothing to do with teeth. Okay. Unless you consider your vagina lips. Well, they, they, they have nothing in common. Well. But what they, they sell is they service people who also do not have access to birth control in other states and shit. Did I break it? No, it's been broken. You no, just gotta... I mean, I thought I was just pushed the button because I heard some little pink. No, that was just the, the oh, thing. Okay. So, WISP, 
is sold online. I guess it's for people who are in other states, too, that don't have access to emergency contraceptives. So if you need plan B or anything like that. But they also sell literally the hormonal part of the birth control packet. So let's say you are going to the Dominican and you don't want to be on your period. You could delay your period. Oh, I've done that two months in a row. It fucking works. That sounds that sounds risky. It's not because it's just the sugar pills from the birth control. I don't take the sugar pills. Oh, that's what you get in the game fucked up. I can't take the sugar pills. Why? It does something to my iron levels. Oh, are you anemic? Uh, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, that makes sense. It was. I can't remember what what it was doing, but I got some testing before, and she was like, "Are you taking the sugar pills at the end of the birth control packet?" Yeah. I was like, "Yeah." And after, after and that's she ten saw days, level, right? Is that me. ten days of pills? No, for mine it's like five. Oh, okay. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's the sugar pill because what it does is it. So what you do, and I'm just for anybody listening, I have used this twice. I used it in October for a trip that I took, and then I used it just last week. If you need to delay your period, you take it three days prior to when your period is supposed to start. So I use a period diary, so I know when my period is supposed to start. Mm. And you take the pill for three days and you can take it for up to 10 days to keep the period at bay. Once it's over your period, like you can stop taking a pill and your period starts like 48 hours later. Hmm. It's crazy because I don't get periods anymore. So you lucky. Cause I got a fucking IUD and I was supposed to not have periods anymore, but I definitely still get periods. My birth control just X'd them out. Yeah. That's crazy. Like completely. I, I mean, I respect that though. I haven't had one for like, four or five years you see that's crazy unless i'm i have to be really really stressed and on a fucked up diet but you know but again i also have a five fibroids so yeah it could be just my fibroids that's causing some vaginal bleeding but whatever i'm sorry this is mad personal (laughs) but whatever we're we're women like like, hey coochie bleeds (laughs) but what i love about wisp and obviously, I don't get paid for anything, so I'm just gonna say it because I've used Look it. At this face. I know she's precious. Um, what I love about Wisp is the fact that they give women the opportunity to control their period. Because what if you booked your trip six months prior, and you and your husband, or you and your boyfriend are supposed to go, and you want the freedom? Of like not being on your period. Fuck like period sex. It has nothing to do with period sex. You want to swim? But if you want to swim, but you or you just want to be comfortable. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be in pain. Like people just think that the period is just bleeding all day. It's it's also awful. I know women that pass out from migraines and having cramps and Uh, and low key, like I'm gonna keep it a buck. Right now I feel like dog shit. I feel like there's literally somebody taking a hammer and jamming it into my belly button that's how yeah. bad my cramps are right now yeah. and here i am just trying to function normally you know mm-hmm. so anyway but wisp is wonderful and they're mad cheap they're only 40 bucks for how many pills 10 no i'm sorry 30 days worth because you get 10 days worth but you have to take three a day you have to take them um every six i take them every six hours oh. so i do seven thirty in the morning 1 30 in the afternoon i mean i'm sorry 12 30 in the afternoon and then 7 30 at night hmm. and it's i mean it's, it's been very great. responsible it's very it's wonderful it's very responsible well because at the end of the day like i just don't want to waste like if i'm having company come to town or if i'm like doing something and i don't want to be on my period or whatever like 
you know, I just yep. don't want to be on my period. Sometimes bloating just isn't fun. No, it's like then your clothes, you want to go out and your clothes fit weird and like everything hurts. Like, yeah. and then obviously there's the actual sex component where it's like, who wants to just be bleeding? Yeah. If they don't have to be. Yeah. So sure. 40 bucks, go get you some wisp. Um, okay. So let's do this. So episode two today, we're going to talk about Robert Yummy Sandifer. You ever heard of him? No. Okay. So Tupac did an interview. Okay. That wasn't the direction I was going to take, but proceed. <laughs> Tupac did an interview back in like, I think it was 94. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way. I have really bad allergies. Kira is fucking sick as shit. It's, um, it's allergies. Yeah, whatever. It's like, it's, it's. She's sick though. It's fucking sucks. She's sick. I've had this terrible cough for two weeks. Yeah. I woke up with a terrible headache. And like a slight fever, and then I took an Excedrin and had some orange juice mixed with kombucha and was fine. But this oh, cough God. is not going away. Well, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Luna's I mean, got it too. Yeah, Luna's also have a. She has an upper respiratory infection. Luna's got some cough. So anyway, so Tupac did an interview while he was in prison, and he in the background has a picture of a very young black boy. And that young black boy was an 11 year old by the name of Robert Yummy Sandifer. And he was from Chicago and he is 11 and he was a BD. Okay. BD. You heard that right. So that's who we're (laughs) going to talk about today. Um, I didn't read a book for this one because I couldn't find any. Of course. Um, Who writes books on BDs? Well, but low key, like the one book I found was a goddamn graphic novel. And I I mean, while it had great reviews, I thought that was weird to read. BDs aren't to be taken seriously. Uh, Yeah, but I ain't about to diss BDs on this episode either because we live in Chicago. I don't know anything about them. Uh -uh. It's totally fine. I don't fuck with I don't fuck with gang shit. Um, I do. I did like King Von and I do like Dirk. But I also like G Herbo. Well, ish. And, you know, they're, they're I mean, I ish. listen to King Von way more than I listen to even the other ones. But, um, but yeah, I don't play around with gang shit. Now, so I didn't read a book, but I did read the court filings and I did read articles. Um, so I'll link those in the show notes as well. Luna, like. <laughs> Sorry. She just bit the microphone. <laughs> she literally just bit the goddamn microphone. This dog is a trip. We are not going to get through this episode she's successfully. Um, she's I call her lunatic for a reason. All right. So this takes place in Chicago in 1994. Um. In the Chicago Tribune, there was this guy named uh, writers Peter Kendall and John Fountain. This was in September 1994. They wrote, harm the child and we have been admonished and the child will return that harm to others. So let's just start off by saying that this will suck. This isn't (laughs) as gnarly as like the last five because, I mean, Kira, you weren't, me and Dustin did, Lona... What do you want? You want to get down? She probably want to get down. Just put it down. It's okay. I'm going to get my other Okay. Come on. Sorry. We have a, we're having technical difficulties because my dog's being, my dog's being an asshole. It's baby problems. Oh, what are we drinking? Okay. I'll talk about this while she's doing that. So what we're drinking is called the Red Star. I went to Floradica, which was a floral inspired fashion show for charity at the Garfield Conservatory. 
there they had sponsored whiskey by Uncle Nearest, which I love Uncle Nearest. In recent years, I have stopped drinking. You need some motherfucking cough drops. Oh, I ain't hit that, no. Um, They had sponsored Uncle Nearest there. And what they were serving was this hibiscus ginger beer cocktail with rye whiskey. And so I bought all the ingredients and I made it. My homeboy, (laughs) my homeboy, I told him, I said, I need you to try this. And he tried it, right? Well, he thought he tried it, but he went to the fucking store and you know what he bought? He bought hibiscus flavored gin. I said, nigga, you about to be fucked up. Oh, I love taste buds because I already have two packs of these in the room. Yeah. Are these sativa or indica or hybrid? I only get sativa. Oh, they sativas? I think so. Okay. Because I usually do hybrids. I don't know what these are, actually. Hold on. Let me see before I start nibbling on them. Hold on. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. they don't give you a whole lot of energy. Because indica just makes you sleepy. Indica makes you sleepy, but I don't. I, I have these in the room. I don't want to take yours if I have my own. Okay, because oh, but these are blue raspberries. These are hybrid. These are hybrids. Yeah, I mean, I got a medical card. Yeah, I have twenty five percent off extra on Mondays. Okay, so let's do this because we wasting time now. Oh no, what I was talking about was the drink. So the red star. So my homeboy went and he got some hibiscus flavored gin instead, and I said, please understand. If you make this cocktail, you're about to mix gin with whiskey. So I I recommend that you don't do that. I almost threw up just listening. Yeah. Like, don't fuck yourself up that way. And plus, he didn't like it. So it didn't work out. I mean, gin and whiskey don't sound like a good mix. But I was like, you can't blame now on me because you ain't buy what you were supposed to buy. And he yeah. was like, well, this the girl. This is what the girl, this is like all she said she had. And I was like, yes, but it's got gin in it. That's not but the same. But did she differentiate between the it's fact supposed that it to be a hibiscus. and one doesn't? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is the hibiscus, it's supposed to be hibiscus liqueur. A hibiscus liqueur or liqueur, whatever the fuck, however the fuck you pronounce it. I'm already tipsy because I haven't eaten. But hibiscus liqueur, uh, rye, Uncle Nearest and ginger beer that was all you literally needed now the recipe that i found for the quote-unquote red star also included pineapple juice and lemon juice i'm you know i'm not really interested in trying it with pineapple juice because i don't like adding more sugar than i need pineapple juice is just sometimes too sweet yeah exactly and so the cocktail recipe that i found (coughs) it was a a cup of one and one fourth ounce of uncle nearest half of lemon juice an ounce of pineapple juice and half an ounce of hibiscus syrup or liqueur. To me, if you have a hibiscus syrup, that's sweet enough. If you have a a hibiscus liqueur, that is also sweet enough. I don't feel like you need pineapple juice. Why don't you just make your own hibiscus syrup? Because I'm not. I don't even make my own food. That's true. I don't make shit myself. That's true. This is how I knew I needed a rich husband because I just don't. I'm not interested. I got things to do. I could be doing something else with my time. I'm making so food. Well, but making food. I don't like to eat outside. I don't like to eat inside. How boring. Understood. Restaurants are so much prettier. They are. So anyway, so you pour the ingredients into a cocktail shaker. You shake it with some ice and then you strain it. But then you add it to a rocks glass and then you top it with ginger beer. Please. I tell you motherfuckers <laughs> this every episode that has something effervescent in it like tonic. 
<laughs> please do not that. put that shit in a shaker because it will explode in your face. I've done that here. <laughs> AKA science. Okay. It, it is science. It is science. If you've ever had to make a volcano out of paper mache, you will know why this doesn't work. Do not put pop in a shaker. Like, it's not a good idea. Sh- or, you know, you don't even got to put it in a shaker. Shake the pop up and open that bitch. See what happens. That's what's going to happen in the shaker. I'll never forget the one time like I was like drunkenly making cocktails at a party and I put like an effervescent uh like soda in a fucking blender and that top flew to fuck. I would off. just go. That home. was crazy. I would so go home. Well, to me it was like whatever because this is what happened. I'm a drinker that's making drinks. That's the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah, that's why I'd go home. Oh. I wasn't I, for some reason I wasn't embarrassed. I also was at a party one time where I was making margaritas and I forgot to put the top on and I turned the blend on. And I was like, this is what happens when the bartender's drunk. That's just what happens. Like you gotta take the good with the bad. Do you want this margarita, don't you? Um I don't think anyone does because it's on the ceiling. <laughs> And low key, I don't get embarrassed easily. Like I literally have to shit my pants in order to be embarrassed. I'd have to fart in my boss's office in order to be embarrassed. I think that'd be bring terrible. back shame or bar or fart during <laughs> sex. I think that's probably pretty embarrassing. Bring back shame. You ever farted during sex? What girl? What's this episode about? <laughs> I'm sorry. I told you I was already drunk. <laughs> Jesus Christ! We should have brought her some fucking chicken fingers. <laughs> I got some in the kitchen, but they gluten free. I know they nasty. <laughs> I don't even. I low key don't even want them. I bought them at Whole Foods and was like, "Why about these?" Anyway, I got some fish sticks. I'll make something later. Some fish sticks because I'm twelve. Thirty five. I eat. I, I'm thirty seven, but thank you. Even one, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be thirty eight in April. Let's make thing. it not better. Thanks. <laughs> Anybody who's looking for a wife, oh God. And you are planning on <laughs> now she's hoeing herself, buying a on cook, her own podcast. But, you know, hey man, you got to do it where you can do it. Dating pool got piss in it. I rather uh, you can only attract <laughs> flies. <laughs> you can only attract bees with honey. I said flies with honey, but really, it's you can only attract flies with shit. Or that, they, that's or, not what they say either. Or, or you can. Attract, I don't know who they is. Or you can but. attract. You can also attract flies with dead bodies. So take that however you need to. Yup. So okay, moving on. Um. Speaking of death. Really? All right. So. No. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Robert. Let's talk about it. Now, I want to talk about how he grew up because um, that's a big part of this. Uh, he was born in Chicago on April 17th, 1983, which makes him a Aries and Aries and Aries. Either way, gross. Yeah. His mother. Was Lorena and she was a teenage prostitute. She had over 30 arrests and a lot of them were drug related, um, but most of them were for prostitution. She was the third of 10 children from four different fathers, even though she didn't know who's who her father was. At 15, she had her first son, um, Lorenzo, and then she had a second name, Victor, and then she had Robert. Now, she would later go on to have five more kids. Why? Because prostitution. God, that sucks so bad. Oh. She dropped out of the 10th grade and moved out. And after she moved out is when she developed 
a pretty, pretty terrible crack, crack addiction. Actually, I take that back. She didn't develop the crack addiction. It seemed like she just started nursing a crack addiction, addiction on her own in her own apartment. And so she moved in with Robert's father, his, who went by the name of Robert Atkins, but he would end up in jail for a felony gun charge and drugs. So he gone, basically. Now, he apparently had a pretty hot temper, but so did she. And she was hit with child neglect charges in 1984 because she didn't treat her son Victor's eye infection. And he eventually lost his sight because of that. Now, her daughter showed up at the Jackson Park Hospital later with second and third degree burns on her genitals. Lorena blamed it on the radiator. Now the officials didn't believe that and they didn't think the birds match what she was saying happened. They believed that someone had held the child on the radiator. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm like, what? Well, you know what's crazy too? And I don't know where I feel like I've either heard this or saw this. I don't know if it was a movie or something, but there was something that I saw where people would let, would as punishment, have their kids sit on the radiator. Because remember, we would sit on radiator at Granny's house. Yeah. But Granny's radiators never really got that, that hot. You know, some radiators get really fucking hot. Granny's radiator never really got hot. But if you had come out of like outside in the winter and like, let's say you were shoveling or some shit, the yeah. first place you would go to is the radiator. So you could sit on it or dry your clothes, dry your yeah. shoes, whatever. Um, but ours weren't really that hot, but there was a period where sitting on the radiator did get too hot. And you're like, okay, we done. <laughs> I'm done sitting on the radiator. Well, I mean, when you have on thick ass clothes. Yes. So now I'm wondering if they forced this kid to sit on the radiator with no clothes on. Yeah. I'm like, if she would have had to be sitting on the radiator with no clothes mm-hmm. on in order for her to get burns. From it. Second and third degree burns on her jewels. Now, whether they had her straddle it, I don't know. I ain't even get into any of that. But either way, it's sick as fuck. Now, Lorena had 41 arrests by the time she was 29. Now, immediately, the abuse started. At almost two, Robert was at Jackson Park Hospital covered in scratches and bruises. And it's believed that it could have started as an infant, Mm. Um, his mother would go on to blame his father but who really knows because she later reneged on that story and neighbors started to report at that at at least five children were being left alone bradley bradley sisters we talked about that last season now by 1987 he was already in the system and had a relationship with the DCFS. The DCFS is the Department of Children Family Services. Now, it was determined that he had cigarette burns on his arms, shoulders, buttocks, and neck. It, it, I don't understand why people breed. I was just talking about this with my boss today who doesn't have children. And people think... And I just want to say this because I just want to, I want to, I want to have this thought go away. I think children are beautiful specimens and I love them and respect them so much that I choose not to have them because I'm selfish as fuck. Not because I feel like I would abuse them, but I feel like in this economy and in this political climate, I should not be adding 
to it. I'm not that egotistical. I haven't done anything in my life that I feel like I need an extension of myself to maintain any particular legacy at all. And, and, you know, I know people are like, well, I don't think it's that serious. Well, that's the problem is I don't think people think it's that serious. Mm -hmm. And this is where you have issues like this. People thinking that child rearing isn't fucking serious. Mm -hmm. These are the people that literally are going to be walking the planet these are the people that are eventually going to be your employees or your employer or your fellow student or your, you know, your child's fellow uh, classmate, whatever. These are the people that we are selecting to populate the earth. And if you do not have the ability to take care of them, I think you should do everything in your impossible to keep from having them because mm -hmm. child neglect neglect is much worse than me practicing birth control yeah you see what i'm saying like we get in these debates about abortion we get into these debates about whether or not plan b should be allowed or whatever which to me is is about sexual autonomy because men can freely fuck and get people pregnant all day but it's also up to the woman to decide whether or not she wants to have children or not Mm -hmm. And I personally believe I'm exercising my choice to not have them because I get stressed out dealing with a goddamn dog. Yeah. Dogs live 20 years. That motherfucker's going to live forever. You're telling me there's a person that's going to live past my lifespan that I'm going to be worried about for my entire life. I'm not interested in that. I'm stressed enough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking hit television show. That's stressful as shit. Could you imagine adding kids to that? Adding college? Could you imagine going through this strike with fucking kids? Yeah. I know a lot of people that currently have like four or five kids. Yeah. We're in the same department. I'm like, I can't imagine working set having four or five no. kids. And somebody's going to get neglected. The thing is, because yeah, you have one. That's one thing. People who have multiple, usually the middle kids get neglected somehow, some way. The last <laughs> one gets spoiled. The first one gets abused. I was going to say the first one is usually the parent. Yeah. And so to me, I'm just like, we have been in a position where we have choice. Use it. Yeah. Use it. You know, I got, you know, friends who are like, I just want to have kids and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh, because you think that they'll do what for you? What are they going to do with if you take your lifestyle into consideration right now and you just like imagine if this was The Sims and you take every aspect of your current life and add a baby to it. Do you think it'll make it easier or harder? Sure. Come on. Right. Get the fuck out of here. And then you got people like these assholes in this that I'm reading who are having children knowing that they can't take care of them. But at the end of the day, using social services, most likely having more kids in order to get more, you know, checks and welfare and shit. Cause we know people breed for that purpose as well. Mm -hmm. Um, who's who's abusing the kids because they don't even want them to begin with. She was a 15 year old mother with nine kids. That's insane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then at some point you will neglect them. You talking about somebody, a teenager who's nursing a fucking crack habit with all of these goddamn kids. And these are the same bitches that are going to end up robbing you, murdering you, 
or doing whatever. And if we can avoid it, why not avoid it? Yeah. And so here you got Robert who's showing up at the fucking hospital with cigarette burns on his arms, shoulders, buttocks, and neck, who's has, whose abuse possibly started at infancy. That's annoying as fuck to me. So if you, you look at, you know, my aggression in this, I'm saying this to say this, I appreciate people who are ready and prepared and planning to have children. I do not appreciate motherfuckers who have kids by accident. Yeah. Because even though I was an accident baby, and we didn't experience any abuse or anything like that. We experienced certain struggle. And if you can avoid the struggle, go ahead and avoid the struggle. That kid ain't going to be none the wiser. Mm-hmm. But to bring them into the world and beat the shit out of them. Yeah, that's kind of unacceptable. Come on. Like, it's have you unethical. ever seen have you ever seen the documentary on Netflix, The Trial of Gabriel Fernandez? Or it I think it's Hernandez. Familiar. Hernandez or Fernandez. I may have watched it. He was basically a Latino kid. I think it it was definitely in L.A. Whose mom was basically abusing the system to get checks and shit. He was a he you know, they had moved him, you know, from all these different homes. He was living with his uncle who was a gay man at one point. Then they took him from that house. He loved living with his uncle. But then because his uncle was gay, they took him Mm. and he moved back with his mom, his mom's boyfriend ended up locking this kid in a fucking cabinet and that kid died. Mm. You took him Count, from someone else's house. Countless abuse. To take him home and abuse him. Literally had him in like an entertain. Remember the entertainment systems when people used to get those big old pieces of mm-hmm. furniture with the TV and the DVD player and the stereo and all that shit in it. Well, this thing, it was like a cabinet. Just imagine the second half. That's where he slept. And they locked him in there. Sick. That kid died like that. And I was like, this is the most devastating document. And it was also, um, it was also showing how the system failed and how LA County, as well as Cook County here in Chicago, is so inundated with abused children that at some point they can't keep up with the load mm-hmm. and some kids even get neglected by the city and the county and the state because they don't have enough manpower. They don't get enough budget. People are over fucking wound. And then there are some things that they just miss. They, there are some signs that they just miss. And so that's what we're going to read about a lot with yummy is Everything that not even people just missed, but every way that the system also couldn't help him. So I'm going to keep going. So Lorena would later say, I never beat my kids. And she claimed that his scars were a result of chicken box, which typical response. Now, Sandifer, of course, had siblings because poor people tend to procreate. And he had his siblings, he and his siblings would end up being removed from the home by DCFS. Now, quote, the child welfare workers had little hope for Lorena at as a parent. Uh, there was no reason to believe that Lorena Sandifer will ever be able to adequately meet her own needs, let alone to meet the needs of her growing family. This is what a psychiatrist reported 
to the juvenile court in 1986. He was born harsh, no? He was born in 1983. So already, this kid's three years old, and they're like, she's not fit to be a parent. Well, it's a little too late for that. Look, so now Sandifer is moved to his grandmother, Janie Fields, who's who lives in Roseland. So she lives in the fucking wild hundreds. Great. Where she lived with as many as 19 other children. This 19. woman had 30 grandkids, Kira. Ugh. His grandmother's two-story, three-bedroom home was also a shit show. Three bedrooms with Ob- kids. One of the neighbors complained, quote, they are dirty and noisy and they are ruining the neighborhood. Well, first of all, end quote, it was Rosalind. It's Rosalind. It's hard to, to, to ruin it more than it was already ruined. <laughs> like, uh, now, the neighbors even tried to petition to get fields out of the neighborhood. They were like, this woman and these fucking kids. It was like baby's kids times 30. And the psych report called her a, quote, very controlling, domineering, castrating woman with a rather severe borderline personality disorder. So now we're talking about a woman with a mental illness. And one neighbor said, quote, all those kids are little troublemakers. Carl McClinton, 23, who lived down the street. This is the kind of neighborhood where we all look after each other's kids, but they are a rougher breed. Now, as a student, Sandifer would miss school. He actually missed more than he showed up. (laughs) This system was beyond faulty at this time. This was also post-crack epidemic. Uh, The poverty just riddled the black community. Still does. But, you know, it was very, very shitty back then. And Robert had gone from home to home and detention center to detention center. And he was so well known in the system and had attempted to join 13 juvenile homes but was not admitted why because he was too young Mm. his 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 juvenile detention center it's a juvenile center to yeah but that's like teens to them they're like he's fucking eight what are we supposed to do with this kid now his next play was to join a gang where he would be allowed to live in the safe houses yeah yeah okay so <laughs> Cook County Public Guardian said this is this. This is what they said in the time. I'm sorry. I'm drunk. y'all. This is what they said in the Times article. He was featured on the front cover, by the way. Quote, if there was a case where the kid's future was predictable, it was this case. What you've got here is a kid who was made and turned into a sociopath by the time he was three years old. Tough crowd. He was constantly getting into trouble from our robbery to car theft. Robert had his hand in a few crimes by the age of eight. He would break into houses and just roam the streets doing random (laughs) shit. Now they called him yummy because he liked cookies and Snickers (laughs) and yummy was an absolute fucking menace. So, you know, all the other kids were too, but he was special because yummy. Somebody said this, they said, quote, yummy would ask you for 50 cents. This was this guy named Steve Nelson. He was also 11, but he talks like he's fucking 40. (laughs) And he goes, and if you knew, if he knew you and he knew you were scared and you gave him the money, he'd ask you for another 50 cents. 
<laughs> Erica Williams, Jesus. 20, a neighbor, said, you can't really describe how bad he really was. She said he would curse you completely out. She said he broke in school, took money, burned cars. The candy lady, the candy store lady, you know, because every hood has one. Her name was Lulu Washington. She would say that yummy. She just, he just wanted love. She claimed he could be really sweet. She said, quote, he'd say, thank you. Excuse me. Pardon me. He loved animals, basketball. He had a way with bicycles. He once even merged two bicycles into a single working tandem. So this kid was fucking crafty. He apparently became a menace when he was uh, with others, though, which I remember uh, several people I grew up with who were fucking were assholes say, when they you, were with isn't other that people. acting out? Yeah. Because you need attention? Yeah. Because you never got it as a child? Yes. Another so. person who knew him said that when he was alone, he was sweet as fucking pie. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are like that. They are. They just, they just get, they get inflamed when they're around others. Now, he could apparently drive very well as... <laughs> as well and he fancied himself a lincoln or a cadillac because he used to steal cars a lot now one person said quote it was like a midget driving a luxury car he would also hang out at local garages a midget driving a luxury mm -hmm. car okay yep i'm listening he would also hang out at local garages learning about cars so it's obvious he had an affinity for them and when he w wasn't stealing the cars he was setting them on fire which is indicative of sociopath mm. because at the end of the day there's a certain level of destruction you just walking around setting shit on fire that's a problem <coughs> um the biggest issue was that yummy was entirely too young he would never stay in the system for long because of his age neighbors would tell on him all the time to his grandmother and he just yell at you know she just yell at him and he just end up back on the street so by 10 years old Yummy was removed from his grandmother's home and sent to Lawrence Hall DCFS on the north side, which was a home for troubled teenagers. He would eventually run away that February and go back to his grandmother's. But by that summer, he was taken to the police station by a neighbor to watch videos on crime. But the police told her not to bring him back because he fights with the other children. <laughs> so by August, he was charged with another burglary. Now, Robert's situation was not really unique. Social workers and city staff at the time had seen this before, many times before. A psych evaluation for Robert showed that Robert, quote, is emotionally flooded. His response to the flooding is to back away from demanding situations and act out impulsively and unpredictably, end quote. Now, let's go on and say that this isn't really a diagnosis, but it was also 1994, so... There's that. And when asked during the psyche eval to finish the sentence, I am very dot, dot, dot. Robert answered sick. Which is incredibly sad. They saw that Robert was, quote, full of self-hate, lonely, illiterate, wary. When he heard a walkie talkie down the hall, he jumped from his seat, afraid of the pol police saying, you trying to trick me. He accused the examiner. He was paranoid. He was averaging a felony a month with 23 felonies and five misdemeanors. Damn. One public, one public guardian said that Yummy was not intimidated by the courtroom and would sit there like he was waiting for a bus. By 11, Yummy was a BD. 
period black disciple I mean, well they ain't do nothing but prove to him that the system sucks yeah so for sure like, what, where, where what else does he go is, what else is he supposed to do other than to go against it so if you don't know uh bd that is a huge gang based in chicago the gang was uh created in the 1950s but gained momentum in the 1960s when david barksdale aka king david took leadership over the early version of the gang which was called the devil's disciples the goal was originally to join together to fight off enemies, but of course it developed into something much, much worse over time. And when Yummy joined the gang, he was 11 and was given a nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol and was sent out to kill rival gang members. Now, older quote unquote ministers would recruit young children because they would never be severely punished for crimes like murder or theft. And it also was believed that they were just disposable. So quote, if you make it to 19 around here, you are a senior citizen. This is what Terrence Green said at 19. If you live past that, you're doing real good. A black disciple by the name of Keith 17 describes the role the youngest members play. Quote, he's this small little punk, but wants a name, right? So you make him do the work. Hey, homie, give me a car, a red car, a red sports car. By tonight, I'm taking my woman out. Or hey, homie, go get, go find me $50. Or hey, little homie, you want to be big? Go pop that nigga that me- that's messing with our business. Not, not it getting progressively worse. It's gotten worse from a car to $50 to murder. It's like, go, first of all, how am I supposed to find you $50? <laughs> rob it just just take it (laughs) from an old lady rob a store they don't give a fuck they said find me 50 dollars sick then on august 28 1994 while doing a favor for the bds yummy accidentally shot siobhan dean 14 while she was on her way back away to a friend's siobhan knew yummy yummy lived around the corner from her family and that evening she had been sitting with her family waiting for her mother to finish barbecuing the CPD believed it was not an initiation hit because it was up close and personal, so they believed it was likely to gain rank in the gang. He fired into a crowd of children, hitting Siobhan, Sammy Say, who was 16, in the hand while he was playing football, and Siobhan was struck in the head. He also shot another child by the name of Kianta Britton, leading to spinal damage. Now, Yummy was, would speak with his grandmother after the shooting, asking her, what the police looking for me for? And his grandmother agreed to come get him. So she gathered some clothes because, quote, she said, I knew he was probably filthy and dirty. But you know what? (sighs) She got 30 grandkids. Yes, she's doing a lot. It's really. It's it's hard to keep track. It's really not her fault. It is and it isn't. But yeah, you're right. You know, it's like, but also. She's the guardian. She's the guardian, but. Who was it that expected her to take care of all 30 of these people? I don't people? understand. Like, and how many, how many kids did she have? That's what I was about to say. It's a trickle where down. Where she felt like all of her kids were capable of having an equal amount of 30 kids. Well, we know because his mom was like, what was she, one of nine? Yeah. So she, they said Sorry, she, she was the third kids. of 10 children. She had 10 kids. Yeah. So it's like. Your kids alone had 30. Yeah. Why didn't you tell them to stop? Stop. Stop doing this. Well, I mean, that's and literally we say evenly. That's just three apiece. (laughs) 
just yeah <clears throat> but when you got 10 on your own yeah that's crazy you gotta think of the multiplication in the future yeah. it's, it's math if i myself have 10 kids how many kids can they possibly pop out that's grandma math that's granny math yeah 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 you know it's like you gotta think yourself you can't just have 10 kids because to be me like, i'll only come out with two grandkids. because to me no. having kids it's imperative for you to be intuitive and, and master the ability to think of he- think ahead. Yeah. And if you can, if you are not able to think of ahead, because to me, you know, that corny ass line that children are the future. They mm-hmm. literally are. Yeah. So you have to have the ability to think ahead. What am I about to create? A lot of men get mad at me because they think that I'd have wonderful ch- children. I know I will. And I know that I'd be a fucking fantastic mother. A hundred percent. But that's still a choice of mine. Yeah. You see what I mean? And it's not just because I feel like I'm a, I, sh- I would be a wonderful mother that I should just go off and have babies. <coughs> but there's so much of my life that I have not lived. Yeah. Why would I drag somebody else through all this shit if I don't have to? Mm-hmm. Now, if I get to a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I've had all these great experiences this time. Then maybe I'll change my mind. But in the meantime, no. I don't know. I just must be crazy because, I mean, as much as I love kids, I did want some really bad last year. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie to you. The times where I felt like I wanted kids were the times where my career was doing what it was supposed to do. Yes. Now that the strike has happened and like, you know, what it all feels of this like other to shit, not be okay. I'm like, bitch, if I had bought a car and had a kid, yeah. I'd have been fucked. Yeah. And had two cats. Yeah. You know, like it's. You, or you would have just had to put way more effort into kind of figuring out what your next move was going to be. Which is honestly exhausting enough without kids. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it just makes it 10 times harder because I got to be responsible for me and another person. Absolutely. Like when I went to Georgia last month, I had to figure out who's going to take care of Luna. I just bought a puppy. Yeah. That's a dog. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's different when you don't give a fuck. That's the thing. When you don't give a fuck. You know, if you just up and be like, oh, well, my granny going to take care. My mama is going to take care of him. Yeah. But see, that's why I was trying to say earlier, too, is my passion about it is because I really don't want to fuck it up. Yeah. That's why I I choose not to do it because I don't want to fuck it up. And I'm not saying that anybody's ever going to do it perfectly. But if I'm not going to sit down and actually put the thought into raising kids, (laughs) then I don't think I should do it. I mean, I don't think anyone can do it perfectly, but I think you got to at least attempt. You have to try. And you have to. Some people don't even be trying. And like I said, too, you have to be forward thinking. You have to always think of the future. Yeah, you should when you're raising your child, you should be thinking about their future. It's not just about, oh, I just want my seed to be on the planet. You just want to see many versions of you. Do you realize Which, how narcissistic that I was is? Gonna say, I ain't going to hold you. I ain't done nothing great enough to be sitting around no, my, looking for a duplicate. What the fuck? I live on 63rd. Okay. I am not doing anything outstanding right now. All right. I wouldn't beat myself up. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. I'm just like, there's, there's nothing that I've not done outside of the human, the average human being where I feel like I should be in a rush to have kids. Right. I mean, I mean, honestly. And if kids are an extension of self and half you motherfuckers are like barely getting by with you alone holding on by a thread and the thread is breaking yeah 
So that and, 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 you know, more so for the men too, like that raw sex, because I do know that um, women, we tend to, we, you know, we got birth control methods and we got plan B and we got things, but all of that is still on the woman. I do believe that for some of these men too, it is okay for you. First of all, if you go and you get a vasectomy, that is not cutting off your testicles. I feel like we need to have that conversation that I need you to understand. This, those are, those are not the same. That's mm-hmm. not the same. Your testicles like are still cat. present. You are not being castrated. Like a cat. Don't be stupid. It's like, but what you are definitely getting done is you are, you no longer have the ability to create sperm. And that is it. Your dick still going to work. Your balls are just still there chilling, hanging, being useless. <laughs> That's but, fucked up. I ain't have to throw that in. I'm drunk. I'm sorry, y'all. I ain't going to. I don't mean to disagree. But, but low key, it's the same thing with a hysterectomy. You know what I mean? Like women get hysterectomies all the time. So to me, I'm just like, we need to really have a comfortable conversation and let men understand that it is okay to get a vasectomy. It does not mean that you have lost your manhood just because you are choosing to cut off the ability (laughs) to procreate. Because how is having 22 baby mamas an extension of your manhood? How is paying all that fucking child support and and choosing not to have a job so you can avoid paying child support? How is that an extension of your manhood? You're worrying about the anatomy. What about all the psychological implications of you being a piece of shit father? I was going to say, because half of them don't think about how they would be as fathers anyway. And you think you got to deal with this bitch. Half of the women that you sleep with, you don't even want to deal with beyond the hot wings Mm. and and the Hennessy that you just fucking drank. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't want, if you don't want to deal with this bitch, if you don't want to deal with this bitch past Buffalo Wild Wings, past the Cheesecake Factory, which apparently y'all niggas like taking bitches to. It's me. I'm bitches. <laughs> I fucking you love should have saw how I got reamed on TikTok. It was crazy. They <laughs> ate my ass up in the comments. Me and Dustin. Dustin was my line of defense, though, because they were eating me up because I was basically saying that. It's okay to take a woman to Cheesecake Factory. You don't understand what I mean. What what people were getting offended by was the fact that I said that when you take women on dates, I think it is appropriate to be creative. Cheesecake Factory is not creative. Cheesecake Factory is not a date. That's, that's a fucking you, fast food that's restaurant. That's where you go when you you already know each other (laughs) you've already fucked each other you've already been kicking it you've already seen each other naked you've already seen the stretch marks you've already seen his thank you you've already seen his dad bod Mm -hmm. y'all decided to stop at the fucking mall and go to gap they just happen to have a cheesecake factory that's when you go to the cheesecake factory house is specific my fun well because too like my one of my homeboys that i was sleeping with or whatever we were friends we're friends so, yeah, like we may sleep together, but like low key, like if I link up with him and he's like, yo, you want to go like grab some fucking Portillo's? That's not offensive. Yeah. But if it's a first date where we're supposed to be experiencing each other and establishing this bond, why would you out of all the places to go? Why would it be the Cheesecake Factory? Because the bread is good. <laughs> Bitch, bye. Get off my phone. Actually, I, I I'm do it drink. for the wheat bread. I'm going to drink this. What? <laughs> I do it for the, the grain no the wheat bread. the grain bread is fire. But with that being said, I got reamed in the comments by all these psychos talking about some who are you? I was like, bitch, I'm a bitch on my page talking shit. The fuck you mean? Who am I? 
And how dare you come to my shit? I said, nigga, keep scrolling. That's what happens when you start using social networks. It is. And I wasn't even officially mad because I will say I respect <laughs> everybody's opinions. But it was the women hating shit I didn't like. Don't sit up here and be like, this is why y'all gonna be alone. This is why everybody gonna die alone. Because of the Cheesecake Factory? Well, also, it's coming from a nigga that said that that is currently in the room alone. Thank you. Or also coming from a nigga that is, like, literally arguing with a stranger on TikTok. Like, I'm not even about to do that with you. All I was doing was sharing my opinion about a topic that was brought to me. One of my homeboys brought it to me, and he said, well, if you're trying to get to know each other, why it doesn't matter? I said, because at the end of the day, I want to see what you can do. Yeah. show me what you can do I mean, show me what, what your dating, interest in that's what that's what is. dating is dating is about exploration show me what you can do who are you i even said in the video i said take me to a place that you've never tried before yeah maybe we've had conversations and you knew that i like fucking sushi and there was this one sushi restaurant in wicker park that you've always wanted to motherfucking try and you were like wow this would be a perfect place to take a person they got the perfect lighting the drinks are dope and everybody's like well not everybody go to five star restaurants not every restaurant that is nice is five star five star michelin restaurant <laughs> rest- first of all five star michelin restaurants don't even have food that look edible let alone appetizing it's literally like a bunch of syrup and a, le- a and like a, a leaf peel on the and then like plate. a shard of uh, like a piece of <laughs> onion and then like you go a there fucking... to only watch the chefs yell out hey cousin yeah pass me the tomatoes oh, okay all right in the background you don't really go for anything other than that no pictures. like if, if for example cherry circle room Cherry Circle Room is a wonderful date place. Would I call Cherry a five-star restaurant? You wouldn't, but believe it or not, there's so many people that would. No, but I'm not saying that it's not worthy of it. I'm just saying that technically the five-star term is not Cherry Circle Room. No, I know. That restaurant is like, and even like Adorn at um, Four Seasons, Travel at the Langham. It's the London is, House at, actually, at the roo- LH rooftop. They're not actually five star restaurants, but because of their location, they're considered they're a more vibe. Than what they are, but Kira to everyone else. But you only feed into my point. My point is, is that those very restaurants are where you can take people, and you don't have to spend thousand dollars on a goddamn yeah, steak. I agree. So don't sit up in my face and make it seem like well, Cheesecake Factory is the if nigga if Cheesecake Factory is the best you can do, I can't fuck with you no way. Cheesecake, fa- Cheesecake Factory is where me and my sister go to fucking eat when we're in the mall, my guy. Yeah, a first there's Cheesecake Factories in, in the mall. malls. I don't want to go on a date to anywhere where we're in the mall. Now, all right. But anyway, so all I'm saying is, is that this Cheesecake Factory shit is just not really a conversation when all you really need to have to, like, all you really need to do is be fucking creative. <laughs> and women at the end of the day are just trying to tell you for once what men have always asked. You've always asked, what do women want? Women are screaming from the rooftops what they want and you are not listening. A great man once said, Okay. <laughs> what do bitches want from a nigga? <laughs> what do they want? What do they really, really want? This I agree. This is why I don't why I like you. What do bitches want? From well, a low nigga? key, I was just talking about how they did a lane break on Peloton for DMX and I was fucking hype as shit. I was just talking about how I just canceled my Peloton this morning. What? <laughs> <laughs> the irony. How this that's crazy. All connected. I looked at my bank account and I said, How are y'all still charging me? I canceled this a year ago. And then I canceled it again. Okay. And you were just riding your Peloton. That's I was. so crazy. <laughs>
<laughs> it's crazy when worlds collide like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy the serendipitousness. <laughs> We just oh, really get each other. <laughs> we just get each other. Um, okay, so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We were talking about yummy. We've got nowhere. <laughs> is this my water? Sure. <laughs> yes, that is, because mine is open. Both of these are mine. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Now, yummy, and and I, I think the last thing I said was that he was filthy, and so she was like, "He's, I'm, I need to bring extra clothes." Um, so when his grandma, oh, his grandma, his grandma, I was like, yeah, yeah. Said that about himself. So his grandmother agreed to come get him. So she gathered some clothes for him or whatever, and she said, "I knew he was probably going to be filthy and dirty." Oh. But when she arrived at 95th Street to meet with him, he wasn't there. And 95th, yeah. What was he doing on 95th? Oh, from Hunnets. He lives in Roseland. Yeah. Never mind. Now, one neighborhood said that, oh, I'm sorry. One neighbor said that the evening of August 31st, she ran into him on her porch and he was terrified and asked if he could call his grandmother so he could turn himself in. He even asked if they could say a prayer together. And he knew he was in trouble with the police, but he also knew that he was in trouble with the gang. And when the neighbor went to make the call, he was gone. Now, little is known about what happened, uh, you know, specifically about what happened next on September 1st, 1994. Like, obviously, we eventually learn from people's statements and stuff. And obviously, we'll never actually know what happened. But on September 1st, 1994, Yummy's body was found on 108th and Dauphin in um, in Roseland. And he was found under a railroad underpass. Who is this that was found? Yummy. Damn. In a rail in a rail a railroad underpass lying in the mud with two bullet wounds to the back of the head, execution style. Damn. They found his <laughs> four six six sixty-eight pound body at how much? He was four six sixty-eight pounds. Four six? Four six. Oh, his height. Height. I was like, what weight is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, four six, his height. Oh. At 1222 oh, a.m. after they canvassed the area because of a report of shots being fired um, in the area at around 1215 a.m. And they received word from a pedestrian that the body was under the viaduct. Now, could you imagine? I always think about that when I read this shit. Like, oh, I was just going on leisure, leisurely strolling. I thought it was a mannequin. And it turned like out it was a body. Where it's an old woman walking her dog. And she's like, come on, oh. Fluffy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, ah. And then she's like, oh, God, it's a body. Yeah. Oh, me, but then also not. Wait, why is she like New York Jewish? <laughs> because oh, my she's on God, it's a body. Because she's on Law and Order. And facts. That's how all they all of no, sound No, facts. But also, so here's the crazy <laughs> part, too. They, um, what was I about to say? Jesus. I'm so high. Uh, what was I about to say? Oh, so. At some point between the 31st and the 1st, so August 31st and September 1st, Yummy met with two brothers by the name of Craig and Derek Hardaway. Now, Craig was 16 and Derek was 14. And both of these dudes were BDs. And under police questioning, Derek confessed to knowing that uh, Yummy or whatever. He was like, you know, he claimed that the last time he saw him was three days prior, though. Now, the brothers promised Yummy, Yummy that they would help him get out of town. That was the story. Cassandra Cooper called the police on September 1st, stating that her daughter saw Yummy leaving with the two boys at 1130 p.m. ish 
And the police went to the brother's home to the following morning at 8 a.m. And they took him to the station for questioning. But by 1030 a.m., they Mirandized Derek because on the interview by the neighborhood, the neighbor's daughter, they were able to see that, you know, because I guess she saw them and that he and his brother had approached Sandiford and told him, quote, that he had to go with Derek, that Craig and the boys wanted to take him out of town. So she, they had a witness that Derek and Craig did this. And he eventually admitted, admitted that Sandiford and Griffin followed him off the porch and went to a waiting car driven by Craig. Craig then drove off with Sandifer while Hardaway and Griffin walked home. Now these names are wild. I know. Now Griffin was Mike Griffin. He was another boy that was sitting on the porch with Sandifer. That's who who is Sandifer. Sandifer is yummy. Oh, last name. Robert Sandifer. Now, the police already knew that they were BDs. <laughs> the detectives con- confronted Derek with Jamisha's statement. Jamisha was the girl on the porch. And the defendant then changed the story. Who is Derek? He told the detective the uh, that at 11.30 p.m. the previous night, he was in the car with his brother, Craig, when they saw Sandiford on the porch with Jamisha Cooper and Mike Griffin. Craig told the defendant to get Sandiford. And the defendant said he walked to the porch and told Sandifer he had to come with him because they were going to get him out of town. The defendant said that Sandifer and Griffin followed him off the porch and went to the car. And Craig then drove with Sandifer. The defendant walked home, as did Griffin. Now, the detective testified that it was at this point that the defendant was no longer free to leave the area. And later that same day, Mike Griffin was interviewed and he told the police that the defendant had gotten into Craig's car with Sandifer and the defendant refused to give Griffin a ride home because they were, quote, in too deep. Now, Yummy was killed 45 minutes after they picked him up. Now, they eventually assigned a youth officer to the case, relieving the first two detectives. And at this time, they Mirandized Derek, making him aware that he would be sent to juvenile court because he was about to be tried and he was going to be sentenced as an adult. Jesus. So Derek didn't believe them. He was like, all right. This is what the detective they're thinking. Derek then told McCann and Oliver that he did indeed get into Craig's car with Sandifer and that he was present when Craig shot Sandifer under the viaduct shortly after. Because in the original statement, Derek tried to say that he walked when Mike Mark walked home when Mike Griffin walked home because they didn't give Griffin a ride because they had they were in too deep. They were like, we ain't give you no ride. You need to walk, little nigga. That's basically what they said. I just made that up. That's my dialogue. While her dog is like (laughs) in the background. She's still talking shit. (laughs) So later that afternoon, Derek gave his statement. So they went um, to the house to get Craig, which is the oldest brother, but he wasn't home. And the father made the police aware that Craig had this girlfriend by the name of Shanta. Quote, Shanta told the officers that Derek and Craig Hardaway had come to her home around 7 p.m. the previous evening. Craig later received a page and either Craig or Shanta called the number which appeared on the pager. Shanta and her cousin then drove Derek and Craig to Emma's house, quote unquote, Emma house in the area of 108th and Perry. Anybody named Emma over there, but that's a fake name. Yeah. (laughs) This was at approximately 1030 PM and Shanta did not see them again that night. Now the officers told Shanta 
or I'm sorry, they took Shanta to the area of 108th and Perry, where she identified Emma's house as the one located on a 118 West 108th place. Shanta accompanied the three officers to the Hardaway home where Mr. And Mrs. Hardaway were. Mrs. Hardaway Page Craig, who called and agreed to return home. And when Craig arrived, Officer Neal explained to him that his brother was at the police station and that the witnesses had reported seeing Derek and Craig with the victim approximately 45 minutes before he was killed. Now, Craig asked to speak to the officers outside his parents' house, uh, presence. So the, uh, the three officers accompanied him into the kitchen. Officer Collum or Cullum then advised Craig's of his Miranda rights and asked him his whereabouts the previous evening to which Craig told the officers that he had been with Shanta the entire night. At which point officer Cullum told Craig he was a liar <laughs> and placed handcuffs on him. Now this happened at approximately approximately five thirty PM. The gang crime specialist Cullum also testified that after the shootings by Sandifer on August 28th, the police thought that the leaders of the black disciple street gang probably ordered the murder of Sandifer to silence him. Probably because Sandifer accidentally killed that child. Now the state presented the following. <sighs> Here we go. Scene. Through the testimony of two police officers in Sammy say the state established on August 28, 1994, Kianta Britton was shot twice in the back at the corner of 108th and Perry. Britton told police that the victim shot him. A short time later, 16-year-old Sammy Say and 14-year-old Siobhan Dean were shot in the area of 108th and Wentworth around the corner from the first shooting. Say was shot in the leg and the hand and Dean died from a gunshot wound to her head. Say testified that there was more than one shooter and that he did not see the person who shot him, but the others at the scene told him it was the victim. Now, the police then began looking for the victim. After learning that the victim was a member of the Black Disciples, the police looked for him in the places where members of that gang were known to live or congregate. And one of these places was 118 <laughs> West 108th place. The police went to these places to, on numerous occasions and ran numerous background checks on known gang members in those locations over several days. Cassandra Cooper testified that she saw Sandifer on the street in front of her house at 10609 South Edbrook at 11 p.m. on August 31st, 1994. And she knew that the police were looking for him. Mrs. Cooper spot, uh, spoke to Sandifer. Mrs. Cooper testified that she had convinced Sandifer to go to his grandmother and then turn himself into the police. But Mrs. Cooper then te uh, telephoned Sandifer's grandmother, Janie Fields, and asked her to pick up Sandifer at the Cooper's house. And when Mr. Coop Mrs. Cooper returned from making this call, she saw that Sandifer was no longer on her porch. So Mrs. Cooper saw Sandifer's grandmother drive up in a van, but she could not find Sandifer. So Mrs. Cooper testified that she could not sleep that night because of the fear of what would happen to Sandifer. And when she heard that Sandifer had been murdered, Mrs. Cooper called the police and told them what she knew and that her daughter, Jamisha had seen who Sandifer had left with. So Jamisha Cooper testified that approximately at 1130 PM on August 31st, she was sitting on her perch porch with Mike Griffin and Sandifer. And Derek Hardaway came out of the gangway, walked up to the group, 
Derek told Sandifer that he had to go with him and Craig because the boys wanted to take him out of town. And Jamisha Sandifer walked through the gangway toward the alley with Derek and Mike. That's kind <clears> of <throat> creepy. I don't know if I would have followed. I would have been like, Thanks. Mm, what if I don't want to go out of town? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they, they knew took he was scared. Yeah. yeah. And when Mike, he admitted to being a BD, Mike Griffin. And shortly after 10.30 p.m. that day, he encountered the victim sitting on the porch of an abandoned house at 105th and Edbrook. And Griffin stopped and he talked to the victim who said he wanted to go home, which is very sad to me. Because regardless of anything that Yummy did, Yummy was 11. Mm-hmm. And he was doing some adult shit. And I know that there is a callousness that we have for children that engage in gang behavior like this. But I also think that it is important to um, acknowledge and accept as an excuse the fact that he was not given a chance to be a better person at all. I mean... We like to lump everybody into their own little groups and say that everybody who has one experience will respond to that experience the same. And that mm-hmm. is not fucking fair. Yeah. There is chemicals that goes on in the brain and in the body that affect how we move through society based on the traumas that we experience. And if at the end of the day, Kira could have what happened to her, maybe she become, maybe what happened to Kira, I mean, to yummy happens to Kira as she's growing up. That doesn't mean that Kira may not become fucking president, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we know it's a little unlikely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do feel like it is an excuse for an 11 year old. I think it's unfortunate that culturally we have to deal with so many youth who are kind of being pushed into this lifestyle, but also, you know, we see it in skinheads. We see it in every group. It's not even unique to African-American experience, but when it comes to just like this I was like, I don't really see how he would have got through this unscathed anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I mean, 11 is a bit young. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, like the dude said early in the story, he's like, if you lived to 19, you would see a citizen. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just saying that to say that it is it was very hard when reading about this too, thinking about this kid being terrified like, even though he's fucked up and he did a lot of fucked up shit and he terrorized people to have it turn on his head and for him to have that experience of like, damn, I may have fucked up. It, you know what it kind of reminds me of is like that one character that was so badass in a mob movie until they're about to be executed and they realize they have to, they're faced with their own mortality and oh, the yeah. shit that they've been doing is about to catch up with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that realization that, fuck. This is it then, you know? Mm-hmm. And to be 11 and feel that has to be crazy because your brain is not even developed to have that experience. So anyway, anyway, 
Um, Griffin knew a man named Curtis who lived several houses down on Ed Brook and unsuccessfully attempted to have Curtis call a taxi for the victim. But Griffin and the victim then walked to Jamisha's house, which was further down on Ed Brook. And the victim gave Jamisha's mother, Cassandra, his grandmother's telephone number. And that's when Cassandra went down to uh, went down the block to call her. And while Griffin and the victim were sitting on the porch, a light colored Buick drove down Edbrook from uh, toward 104th. And the driver looked like Craig and Derek um, was in the passenger seat. And according to Griffin, both were members of the Black Disciples. So Craig was arrested on September 1st, 1994 for being identified by multiple sources as the driver of that light colored Buick that picked up Sandifer. Now, of course, there were some issues with the, you know, the legal steps that were taken during the investigation, which led to the suppress to a suppression hearing, which is, according to the law website at Cornell, a suppression hearing is happens when the suppression of evidence is a when they're trying to prevent evidence from being shown to the in the trial. So they basically like, this is what we should talk about. This is what we shouldn't be talking about. And this was because they believed they did not have probable cause for the arrest. This is what the defendants didn't believe. And probable, probable cause exists where a reasonable person possessing the knowledge possessed by the police officer at the time of the arrest would believe the defendant committed the offense. And there are many reasonable cases as to why probable cause exists. For example, possessing the knowledge possessed by the police officer at the time of the arrest would, would believe the defendant committed the offense. That's from like people versus Bobaic. And while mere suspicion is insufficient to establish probable cause, proof beyond a reasonable doubt is not required. That's people versus Garrett. And then there's probable cause may be established by facts within the collective knowledge of police officers working together to investigate a crime, even if those facts are not within the personal knowledge of the arresting officer. That's people versus Hendricks. So they got a bunch of examples of why they feel like they had more than enough probable cause to actually arrest Derek and Craig. And there was also issues, you know, with, you know, the, the detectives and the parents and then like the detectives and Sanford's grandmother where they're all just kind of like, nah, that ain't how it went down, you know? Mm-hmm. And the police are kind of like, no, that is how it went down. Yeah. So it is kind of just like a people versus the official situation, which is, you know, it, it kind of makes this a lot more messy to me um but the detectives consistently testified at at the suppression hearing and they were like no we took the proper steps to take in in order to take (laughs) craig and Derek in like we had more than enough evidence as with regards to like first of all we took Derek in and he admitted that he knew sandifer almost immediately then said that he hadn't seen him three days prior but then later on was like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and to them too, they're kind of just like, and we also never arrested him. They showed up at his house. They didn't even put him in handcuffs and they let him go upstairs and put clothes on without supervision. And to them, they're like, it's not like we coerced him. His father let us take him to the fucking police station. They kept asking the father. They were like, yo, you want to go to the area too with us, with with Derek? And he was like, nah, I'll wait for Craig. 
Like, why not? Meanwhile, the mom is sitting there. I'm like, the mom could have went with Derek or you could have went with Derek. She could have waited for Craig. I don't know. But either way, I'm not letting my son. But well, because Craig is the shooter and he's not there. They arrest Derek. They got Derek, but they need to get Craig now and they need to figure out where he is first. They don't know where he is. The father knows that he has a girlfriend named Shanta. And then at the end of the day, there is a mother. There is a father. It's kind of like, damn, y'all should have kind of split up to say, you know, your kids. Oh, my God. Talk to your kids. So Derek admitted that he knew Sandifer, but he said that he had not seen him in three days. Now, the detectives testified that he then interviewed Jamisha Cooper, who was the girl on the porch. And at 1030 a.m., he confronted Derek with the information that he had learned from Jamisha because Jamisha was like, basically, them niggas did it. And they were like, all right, bad. We gonna go get them. Now, it was at that time that Derek admitted that he and Craig saw Sandifer on the Cooper's porch and Mike Griffin, the other BD, and Derek told Sandifer that he should go with Craig to get out of town and no objection was made at this testimony so the youth officer testified consistently with the testimony at the suppression hearing as to the circumstances of the defendant's oral statement at 7 p.m and taking and the taking of the court reported statement at 10 45 p.m in addition on cross-examination geracy testified that it was his duty to determine whether a juvenile had been abused in any way by the police while being interrogated because now they're thinking did y'all force this confession? Mm, now, the, now they testified that they had <laughs> observed the defendant during the, uh, the interview. The youth officer did. And he said that he did not appear to be intimidated or abused in any way. And that's the thing about the youth officer. The whole point in the youth officer is for the kid to understand what's being told to him. Because his parent ain't there. Mm. Which is a conflict of interest, in my opinion. That would have to be like a third party entity. That wouldn't have to be. That's not a role that I feel should be associated with the police department. Mm Because you can bring a youth officer in. He's got a dog in the fight. Y'all are part of the same family. Yeah. He could say anything you want him to say. Now, Detective McCann testified consistently with his testimony at the suppression hearing. He also said that he interviewed the defendant at 430 on September 1st, and the defendant initially repeated the last statement he had given to the first detective, but no objection was made as to any of this testimony. And McCann testified that after he confronted the defendant with Mike Griffin's statement and showed the defendant that Griffin was in the area, the defendant told me, quote, another story. And McCann testified that the defendant spoke for approximately 20 minutes. He did not testify as to the contents of this conversation. Then he was texting us. About what? Thanksgiving. Oh, again, no objection was made as to any of this testimony. McCann testified as to the circumstances of the interview of the defendant conducted at assistant state attorney Harney in the presence of himself and the youth officer. So that's the thing. They're now just like... We don't know that these kids actually did this. And it's like the police are kind of like, but we keep saying we got eyewitness testimony. Jesus. What more could you need? Literally multiple sources. Like, what more do you need? You got a boy that literally walked away with them. 45 minutes later, this kid ends up with three, two or three bullets in his head. Like, let's be serious. Now, 
Derek said that he knew Sandifer was in that area because he had seen him there earlier that day. He said he saw Mike and Sandifer and Sandifer was on the porch. Derek said, I called him. He stood up. I said, come on, come on. I'm going to take you out of town. So he came. And Derek said that he, Sandifer and Mike walked towards Indiana Avenue where Craig was parked. Mike asked for a ride home. Derek told him no. Craig drove Derek and Sandifer to a tunnel on 108 in Dauphine. And all three got out of the car. Craig took Derek to walk down the street to Cottage Grove and look for police. And Derek did this and returned to the car. Craig then drove off to look for police while Derek stayed with Sandifer under the viaduct. (coughs) Craig returned and took Derek aside and he told Derek to get in the car, have it running. Don't turn your lights on, have the car in neutral and have the passenger door open. You hear a shot, come pull up, pull up and get me. But I heard three shots before I pulled up and got him. Derek said that he believed Craig had shot and killed Sandifer and that he drove Craig back to the house at 108th and Perry. So his own fucking brother just admitted that he shot this kid. Yeah, I was going to say, he sounds like he kind of just was, um, sounds like he kind of admitted to it. Yeah. And after some back and forth about phone records and Sandifer's grandmother acting like she didn't remember the details of the day, the state rested in the case in uh, the case in chief. And so the defendant called Sandifer's grandmother, Janie Fields, as a witness. She testified that she did not remember details about the events of the evening of August 31st, 1994. The defense counsel asked her if she remember giving a written statement to a law student for a defense counsel. And Mrs. Fields said that she had no idea what the statement contained. And the defense counsel read the substance of the statement to the jury for impeachment purposes only. And in the statement, Mrs. Fields stated that on the night of August 31st, 1994, she had gone to the Cooper home at the request of Cassandra Cooper. Upon arrival, she saw Craig and Derek, um, but did not see her grandson. Terry Campbell testified that he was a law student and that he took the unassigned statement of Janie Fields. And Mr. Hardaway testified that he had asked the police to let him accompany Derek to the police station on September 1st, but was refused. He also testified that he and his wife had called area two at noon and at eight and asked to speak to Derek, but were told by the police that they could not speak to him. It was stipulated that phone records indicated that a two minute phone call had been made from the Hardaway residence to area two at noon and a four minute call had been made for Hardaway uh, from the Hardaway residence to area two at 8 p.m. on September 1st. So the parents were telling the truth. Lieutenant Joseph Murphy testified in rebuttal that he had offered Mr. Hardaway a ride to area two and then he picked up on uh, picked up Derek on September 1st at 8 a.m. And he further testified that he had allowed Derek to leave the front room unescorted to get dressed and that the detective gave a business card to Mr. Hardaway, which (laughs) contained Lieutenant Murphy's phone number. And Lieutenant Murphy denied ever being told that the defendant's parents had phoned area two. Now, many factors were relevant to the determination of the probable probable cause, including but not limited to the proximity of the defendant's abode to the scene of the crime. So his house was closed information that the defendant had committed a similar offense because they were criminals, whether the nature of the defense was both violent and serious, which it was whether defendant was among the last to see the victim alive, which they had (laughs) and whether it appears that the defendant had made false exculpatory statements or offered differing explanations, 
which Derek did. So to them, they're like, open and shut. Well, that's good, I guess. I guess. So anyway, so, you know, they they reviewed this and they were kind of like, I mean, we see what you're saying. But the jury returned a verdict of guilty for first degree murder. And Derek received 45 years and Craig received Damn. 60 Damn. Derek was released December 2016. He served 22 years. He got out when he was 36. And Craig, December 2020, he got out 26 years and 42 <laughs> years old. That sounds miserable. Over 400 people showed up to Sandifer's funeral at the Youth Center of the Church of God in Christ. Now, they said, quote, take the Reverend said, take a good look, said Reverend Willie James Campbell. Cry, if you will, but make up your mind that you will never let your life end like this. And after National Attention, Time magazine featured Yummy on the cover of their September 1994 issue. After Yummy's death on September 13, Clinton signed the Victim Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act, quote, commonly known as the crime bill. The $30 billion omnibus legislation set the country on a path to mass incarceration of African-American men and boys, creating a school to prison pipeline that led to record record profits for private prison operator uh, operators and the destruction of the social structures in predominantly black neighborhoods. So here we are with this 11 year old who is kind of almost like the post crack epidemic Emmett Till. Yeah. And he's also being used to spearhead this awful bill that incarcerated and broke apart so many black families. This idea of like the super predator, you know, all of this shit. I mean, we talking about the nineties. This is during the Clinton administration. And so many families have been affected by that. But even when I was listening to this, I, I just remember being like, Oh my God, from beginning to end, this kid situation was fucked up. I can't even I don't remember hearing about this. Yeah. I mean, you would have been two. But I mean, I hadn't even heard about it as an adult. Yeah. You know, the first time I heard about it was when I was watching that Tupac interview. And during the interview, he is literally sitting in front of a and I'm a post it. He was sitting in front of a picture of Yummy. And, you know, and Tupac has always been incredibly outraged by you know, all of this. And it makes sense. I mean, these are major issues in our community. And Tupac was very outspoken, especially on that Me Against the World album, when he was kind of just like expressing all the angst of being a part of this community and knowing that nobody on this planet wants to see you actually succeed. Mm -hmm. And merely because they hate you. And they don't, they only hate you because they hate what they created in you. And that's what makes it hard to kind of, you know, deal with. And I obviously like even yummy being 11, like, God damn, 11. Yeah. 11 is pretty young. I'm just like, what was I doing at 11? Not uh, none of this shit. Remotely close to any Mm-mm. of that. <coughs> I'm bad at that too. Like when people are like, oh, when I was five, I'm like, no, I need to know what the year was. Yeah. I don't have no recollect re- recollection of any, 
age in my life unless it is associated with a particular event. And, and I know the year of that event. Like, oh, I know we went to Disney World in 1996. If I know that, I know how old I was. I was 10. You know what I mean? But like, you know how some people just be like off the top. And they'd be like, yeah, I was four. I'm like, bitch, how you know? Uh, you remember being four? I don't ever remember the year that an event really took place. I think I only truly remember my age. But I think I think because age is so round, you know, mm-hmm. it's more of a guess. Yeah. Saying the whole year is kind of accurate. It is accurate. But I remember those things because of multiple, you know, like, let's say, for example, maybe we had a picture. Remember back in the day where all the dates were always on the pictures. Oh yeah, they were timestamped. Yeah. Or, you know, like let's say you go to Disney World and they put like Disney World 1992. Yeah. You know, if you look at a picture enough, you know, you'll start to that time period will start to be kind of ingrained in your memory because you're kind of just like studying your own past. But I think that's because you grew up in the time where people were using uh, disposable cameras that were timestamped. Yeah. But then what difference does that really make to like <laughs> Instagram where people are time, like you get reminded of memories where like motherfuckers would be like, Oh, uh, 10 years ago you were blah, blah, blah. And I've literally seen, you know, we, we joke. I feel like as a community in the social media and shit, we joke about how much we hate that feature, but I think there is something refreshing about every now and now and again, being reminded of something you did. People hate that feature. Some people really hate the memories because like, let's say, you know, you just, you dress like shit or you were fat. Or, you know, like if maybe if they just weren't great pictures of you, you may not want those memories to be publicized. So it's a memory for you. You just don't reshare it. Yeah. But every now and again, like, you know, somebody will share a memory with me. And I was like, wow, my glow up was crazy. (laughs) I thought that was part of the teenage. It is. It is. I thought you were supposed to be ugly as a teenager. No, it is. It's true. So, um, but anyway, it's serious. I was so fucking funny looking, but you know, we'll save that for therapy. And, um, but I, I would say you enjoyed it. You probably didn't. I really, uh, hope that this is coherent because I am stoned. Did you have a whole one? Yeah. That's why I usually do a whole one that takes buds though. I do a whole one at home. That's valid. You're not at home. I do have. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't ever do half. I stopped doing I do that a long it. time ago. That's that's facts. All right. <laughs> um all right. So I hope you uh you 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 kinda sorta learn something or feel like you know something a little extra today. I don't know. Learn that everybody needs to have a second thought about having kids. Period. I don't think everyone needs to procreate no. either. I think y'all need to take a strong look at yourself. Exactly. And think, does there need to be another one of me? Yeah. Or am I enough? Should I even exist? Ask those questions. I mean, before I before kids. I personally feel like I'm enough until I feel like I'm not enough, but I work on being enough enough that I'll always feel like I'm enough. Like, but I'm never going to be enough to where I feel like I need to have another human. <laughs> Because the minute you have another human, you just feel worse. Yeah. And, and, you know, I do want to say that I I don't want, I hate the idea of offending actual parents 
Um, so I will say kudos to you all. I, it's not, it's not, I I just respect the job so much that I don't feel like I'm actually praising you because with the type of ego that I have and the parent that I know I'm, (laughs) that I could potentially become, I'm saying that I still trust you to be a little bit more responsible than me. My thing is, I just know (laughs) that I will never be an irresponsible parent, but I don't want to stress myself out. No enough well because then there's also just circumstances like sometimes it's not about choice it's just like you were dealt a really shitty hand yeah and if i have one choice in anything i feel like i have a pretty firm and solid choice on whether or not i should bring another person into the fray yeah if it's not great for me alone why would adding another energy to it make it better because i just want to spice up this turd that i'm already eating like what are we doing i don't i don't like people just in everyday targets yeah you know what what? you mean like the store yeah like the store like just in everyday life i don't like encountering people i don't know as of right now anyway i am not ready to push (laughs) out another child and have them experience the torture that is okay all right So it's not fair that note. um, (laughs) Well, I mean, no, I think I think you're no, but I think to like and this is not to say that the human existence like the one that we are currently living in, like your life sucks or that mine sucks. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that I think it's hard sometimes when you read some of these stories. And you think about how many people who are just flat out selfish or flat out, no, they knew they were completely unprepared and they went for it anyway. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about or even your ability to take care of the child financially. I'm just talking about mentally mm-hmm. the maturity level. I feel like you just got to be mature. Yeah. And I know we can all be like, well, you get pregnant at like 10. It's like, yes, that's when yeah, the period can, starts. But should, <laughs> but should you? But should you? Yes, you can buy a sicko. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. You? But should you? And so I think I'm kind of just like, I'm just like, it's okay for, please make it more acceptable for some of us who are choosing to not do it. And I, I mean, and I, and maybe on the flip side, I am being a little hypocritical because then at the same time, when people do have kids, I don't completely get it. <coughs> I love it. But I just, I love when other people have kids because that means that they feel like <coughs> they are in the right position in their lives to have kids. Like if you feel like you're in that position. Yeah. Then go for it. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's you know, true. So I'm happy for them. No, I love instance. seeing sex. I love seeing um successful parenting moments because like i i mean i've seen it on my facebook instagram where i've seen i mean obviously you only know through pictures you don't know what's really going on so there's Mm -hmm. that too um but i feel like i've seen some moments that were like damn this is actually this look like y'all may actually fuck with each other for real like y'all may be having a truly good time (laughs) yeah which is always very refreshing yeah it is refreshing. it's, it's rare to see it it is so when i do see it i'm like okay that's great yeah you know like this is how it should be but then when i hear stories about this about you know how people have 10 kids and their kids have 30 grandkids 
and some of the kids end up being in gangs yeah because they were neglected yeah and I'm just like okay why did you keep going why didn't you stop yeah why did you keep going like it's selfish at that point yeah because you maybe you had you know maybe you had <laughs> five of them that were fantastic your first five you reach that sixth one and you're like damn but also you had 10 mistakes yeah like you fucked up 10 times yeah and people, you know, to try to take the religious rep- approach and be like, 10 blessings from the heavens. <laughs> yeah, all right. Until eight of them blessings realize they ain't going to college. You said, yeah, all right. <laughs> no. Eight blessings ain't going to college. Eight blessings ain't going to college. One, you can't get him to speak. The other one. <laughs> You know, the other one's is, not toilet trained. Yeah, you know, but then it's like I just feel like it takes a lot of work to raise one kid. So to raise several, it's just increases. I mean, to me, that's like the property. Is that what it is? The law of large numbers or whatever. It's like the more there is, the more likely something is to happen. But it's also like in large quantities in a small space. <laughs> yeah, in a two to three bedroom house, two story, three bedroom in the hundreds. Yeah, you raised. How many? She had Why? 19 pe- She had 19 <laughs> children in her home at any given time, but she had 30 grandkids. Why? How? Yeah. Are y'all eating? Yeah. What are you eating? Yeah. Where are you sleeping? Yeah. At no it was filthy enough. Oh my god. And you know what too, you know there's like that's one of the moments where you're like there are people like this that raise foster kids. Yeah. And I think I just keep thinking, I'm like, kids just don't deserve this shit at all. Yeah. And how do how do so many people feel comfortable knowing that it happens like this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, you know, there's a removal to me. And maybe it's because we're women, too. But there's a preciousness about childhood and so being cute. a child that is beautifully innocent it's so cute and so new and fresh and to think that like at three you are already being beaten and burned like not to mention the fact that you didn't ask to be here yeah you were minding your business you just popped out in this shit like it's kind of just like oh you put me here and then you fight me for being here that's kind of crazy yeah And I think that's why it's so shitty. And even when I work with kids, like on set, we always work with kids. Yeah. And people swear up and down that I'm the nicest one to kids. I'm like, how can you be mean to a child? Yeah. You got to be a a miserable motherfucker to be miserable, like mean to a child. Yeah. Like intentionally mean. Like I do believe that there are some kids that are dickheads. Oh, for sure. But they come from dickhead parents. Yeah. I was going to say, you may have to check a kid. Um, but there's still to me a little, you know, and obviously a lesson kid is just flat out fucking evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is another reason why yelling was probably a lot easier to kill. Cause, oh, cause I do want to mention, I did watch the interview of the Hardaway brothers on this. I think it was a podcast. I linked it in the show notes of them talking about all of this shit, except they don't talk about too much. Cause one is high the whole time and one is drunk the entire time. Okay. And it's so all over the place and in like just like they make it seem like the kids that got shot kind of possibly were supposed to like they weren't necessarily innocent either type shit. 
So, but I say go make your own assessment because he was slurring the whole interview and I was like, I don't even understand what he's saying anymore. Not to mention I myself was drunk and high. So. (laughs) Blindly in the blind. Come on. (laughs) If we're being serious. It was literally like, I was looking at the screen like, what the fuck did he just say? (laughs) Am I that high that I don't even know? And he's probably thinking the same thing. He was fucked up. The the oldest brother sat on that couch and drank at least a fourth of a bottle of Hennessy. Yeah. That's and I not was his first fourth. No, and but he had also only just got out of prison in 2020. So yeah, because he doesn't know how to function in this fucking no. world, and now he's he got out amongst COVID. Yeah, so he's coming out when shit was tragic anyway. Yeah, he's like I could have just stayed locked up. And you know what's crazy? I talked to Mama <laughs> about this, and I said, you know, this is one of those moments where even the people who did the killing is a sad part of the story. I mean, and and maybe all of them are, never mind, because there are some serial killers that come from backgrounds and shit like that that are fucked up. Well, yeah, majority of them. So it's kind of like it kind of, you know, to be that sociopathic to the point where you feel comfortable taking a life somewhere you were taught that life had zero value. And it Mm -hmm. probably started with um, how you value your own. Mm-hmm. You don't want to kill yourself necessarily, but you know that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Or at least somebody probably told you that you were. And I think over time, just like any spell, you say it enough, you start to believe it. Well, yeah, because, you know, there's so many songs where people are like, back when my teacher told me I wasn't good enough. Yes. And it's like, what teacher? Like, And how many of them? Yeah. <laughs> just one? Like, was it just one every day yeah. that you were in school for like... 14 years yeah. that just consistently came up to Told you and was like, you, you ain't gonna be shit. <laughs> and like, even when you go into lunch, hey, by the way, <laughs> much we're having tapioca. Don't forget you ain't shit. It's gonna just like, hang it up. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me your lunch tray. Did I tell you today that you ain't shit? <laughs> it's very American dad. <laughs> like, motherfucking pop out the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like, wearing a toupee. You ain't shit. <laughs> What the fuck? All right, thanks. Thanks for the reminder. Yo, fucking milk lady. Anybody tell you ain't shit today? (laughs) It's like, let it go. But I also (laughs) just feel like people handle that type of um, emotional beat down different. Everybody handles everything different. And I think that's why sometimes it's easy to kind of fall in like, even like the sympathy role of a person who would ordinarily be an antagonist, be yeah. the enemy yeah. because there's just a certain fiber. I feel like in our being where we're just understanding of the fact that this wasn't you originally, this mm-hmm. was what you developed into because of your circumstances or whatever. Mm-hmm. Unless of course you're Kevin from, we need to talk about Kevin, which I've talked about before. <laughs> <laughs> and how that movie fucked me up because she knew f- from birth that there was something wrong with I that kid. I still don't think I've ever seen that because it's never free. I don't own it. Oh, you don't have a DVD I'm play. Like, we already talked about that. Here we go again. I feel like that was mentioned either on Carl Pants Ram or... <laughs> Where would I get a DVD player in 2020? Oh, no. You know what it was? No, it was Carl Pants. It was either Carl Pants Ram or Albert Fish because it was before I did the Wineville Chicken Coop Murders. Because I was talking about the changeling. And I said, girl, you need to watch the changeling. And you were like, 
what, how am I supposed to do that? And I was like, y'all ain't got no DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are again. Because here I am. I got, a, got no I got a Blu-ray player. Did I tell you my TV broke before I went to Atlanta? <laughs> I felt like there was a reason the universe did that, but I'm going to let you cook. What, broke my TV? Yeah. Oh. Man, you bogus as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't break your damn TV. You bogus. I just pointed out the you obvious. Bo- you bogus as hell. The fact that that was my immediate thought and it didn't come to yours. T- it, it so I didn't much. say it didn't come to mine. <laughs> Shit. But I was trying. I need it validated. God damn. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I hope y'all, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of uh, I Swear to Jerk I Have Not God starring myself and my asshole sister. <laughs> just be, I just be, I just be having, I just be trying to have a good time. I'm just all. Just it's always in such bad ways. <laughs> if you just knew how to have fun like everybody else, then it probably wouldn't fucking matter. Oh my god! What if we? If did, you just did drugs like everybody else, wait a minute, else, what? But what if we just have two versions of fun? That's it. You know, what? there's many versions of fun. There's many ways to skin a cat. Yeah, and like since you're trying to like figure out an outlet for that. Oh my god! The universe broke your TV. All right. Well, next to Black Friday. Anyway, if you no, but I, I have a new one. I got oh. one the same day. That's mm. that. That one in there is new. You got another ticket to Atlanta. <laughs> So this is episode two of I Swear to Drunk I'm Not God. <laughs> and uh, I hope y'all enjoyed that red star. I hope that was wonderful because I'm tipsy as a bitch. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And uh, it, this is a serious episode. Come on. Get it together. But I encourage you to, <laughs> to go to my TikTok <laughs> where I, I bounce around doing dumb shit all day. I love it, though. I love TikTok. And I encourage you to also go to, oh, my TikTok is Sting Like a B, like B-E-A, like B Arthur, not the B. And then uh, Lavender and Bordeaux. If you don't know what that is, then don't add me. Mm. <laughs> God. <laughs> that's on st- I was about to say that's on Steampunk. I, that's on Instagram. That doesn't even make sense. What is Steampunk? You remember Steampunk was your costume last year. No, week. I know. But I'm like, is that an app? Or no, something? I don't know what made me go there. Okay. I'm high. And uh, Kira's Naomi Campbell here underscore. Are you underscore? I am underscore, but I can never remember if it's at the beginning or the end. I think it's at the beginning. <laughs> it's at the end. Is it? <laughs> Unless it's different like on TikTok and Instagram. Um, I actually don't know my TikTok. I don't use TikTok. I know. Why you get off TikTok? Because I got a job. Oh, that's <laughs> wow. I got that shit was to way do. Harsh tie. <laughs> so I don't think I deserve that. You have a job. I do, but I was also like on TikTok like five times a day. Yeah, but that's because your job is like lightweight, very not lro-weight. I'm not point. like on set and like ripping and running and shit. No, I feel you. But yeah, like, like even so like some of the shit, shit that I was sharing, like you weren't watching none of my videos, and I felt a little neglected. I got a job, <laughs> like, but you could have just like checked. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I can't do shit. The fact, the fact that like I sound like a fucking Gen Zer. You like, could have just checked. You could have just like checked. I'm like, but I that's one of those moments. Went to work. <laughs> that's one of the moments I would have been okay with being like on scene. 
like on red. Like I would have, I would have been okay. That's you'd why to, I just went. Oh did, my god! You would have to reply. Like you could have just took your shower, watched the video. Like wow, you were like waiting for the bathroom to get warm. Like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> but you could have just checked. Well, but I like just couldn't. <laughs> but you could have just. But checked. my job is literally in silence. I can't no, watch fucking. That's videos. true. You can't watch videos for sure. But I do. I'm one of those creepy people that send videos all day because there are just so many great talents on these social networking sites. These people are so fucking funny and there's so much great content. I've learned to really appreciate content. Um. <laughs> all right. Anyway. So, yes, we will see you in two weeks. So sick of this cough. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty gnarly. I hope you're okay. I hope you're okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hope you all enjoy yourself. Enjoy the rest of your time on this here beauty planet. Oh, goodbye. Bye.